Who the bloody hell's that? Should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to chapter 151, that's 151, of the Corona Diaries. Blimey. Blimey. Isn't it lovely? It's all perfectly lovely. I've got my lobsters back. I took. Have I, you? I, yeah, I took them in to show... Uh, can you see them? To me? show them off. See them hanging. To show them off. And I think the band got all excited and thought they were going in the studio, but I, I, they're not. They're coming no, back they're here. Back. I don't want them in there with that lot of low life. That's uh, become one of your most treasured possessions, hasn't it? Your lobster ring. Well, there's not a lot of people who've got one. I don't think there's anybody else that's got one. <laughs> Maybe, arguably no one, unless mm. Linda's crocheted herself another one. Has she knocked she, another one out? She might have done. She right. might have done. Well, I don't see how you would knock that out. I think uh, there's no knocking out of that. There's there's no. just a lot of hard work. This album I'm with you. I don't think she has. I don't think she has. No. No, I was mm. trying to decide on my favourite lobster. It's a tricky one. I think I quite like the one, the one next to the pink one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we ought to <coughs> we ought to challenge colours for them. We ought to have a com, like a colour wheel. It seems mm. like a Gilux colour card, isn't it? It so is. So they ought to all have names. Yeah, that's true. I should give them names. Percy Pink. <laughs> Orville Off Pink. <laughs> Morris Mauve. <laughs> Len the Lavender. Len the Lavender. That yes. Or Lavender Len to his mate. Obviously. Lavender Len, I like Lavender Len. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe put a picture on Instagram of the lobster ring, and we'll invite comments back for the colours. Yes. And see if we can come up with a perfect ring of colours. <laughs> Colour ring. Colouring in. Colouring in. Colouring in. Or We've the, got it or right. The, the multicoloured ring. The multicoloured ring. Mm. Do you remember the swap shop? Of course, you remember the swap sh- the swap shop. Vaguely, yeah. Was that With, idiot uh, on it? Uh, yeah, the beardy one. Timmy Noel Mallet Edmonds. was Timmy Mallet on it. No, he was uh, on the other one. He was on the one that was on ITV. I forget what that was called. I met his wife once. She was very nice. She'd have had to have been to cope with him. <laughs> <I think>. <laughs> <laughs> If you're married to Timmy Mallet, let us know. Right, um, <laughs> there's a phrase I never thought I'd say. Uh, you're back, aren't you? You're back from I'm PZ. back, and we're back. Yes, we drove back on... No, on Sunday we were there, weren't we? Monday. We drove back on Monday. Um, that was... Was it on eventful? 
Yeah, it was uneventful. It, it rained a lot and then fined up in um, in Calais and then um, and then rained a lot more on the M25. Uh, the M25 was a bit of a car park because someone who I called an idiot, which is probably a bit unfairly, um, had, had just stopped in the middle lane of the M25, put their hazards on <laughs> and called it a day. Oh. So then the whole of the M25 behind them was a car park for about, well, we lost a good half hour, I think. Now, when you say call it a day, you don't mean you don't mean hosepipe in the exhaust call it a day. You mean just decided to have a little sit. I don't they, know. They, I mean, you get the flask out. Imagine getting out in the middle of the M25. You'd take your life in your hands for sure, uh, and you'd probably take the doors off. Um, I don't know. It wasn't very easy to tell if they were sat there with having a picnic. <laughs> I hope the thermos came out. <laughs> Blissfully unaware of the mortal danger. Yeah, just you know, having a little chat. And nice bit of fish paste. Nice bit of fish. We don't, we've, we've done an hour. Shall we have a little stop? Oh, why not? <laughs> yeah. Did you bring that thermos? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of but traffic seems to be behind us now. <laughs> Aren't people really angry these days? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if your car was... I mean, I thought of two scenarios, but the, the first scenario was the only scenario I thought of to start with, was what kind of an idiot would feel their engine conk out and not pull over. Not pull over. To the hard shoulder with whatever momentum they had left. Yeah. Uh, and then later on, more charitably, I thought, well, what if they were in a traffic jam and they'd stopped... You know, and then and then stalled or whatever, and the engine wouldn't start. Then then they've got yes. to stay there, haven't they? So yes. I'm being charitable and saying that's what must have happened to them. And I was I, I shouldn't have called them idiots. Mm. They were just unfortunate, and God knows we've all been unfortunate, Anthony. Or they could have just passed out through through whatever reason, and their tracking on the steering just been really really accurate. Right, and just sort of... And just slowly stopped? Nodded off. Nodded off or something? Yeah, well, well I'll never know. But if, no. if that was you in the middle of the M25, <laughs> 6 o'clock last, uh, on Monday night, um, do drop us a message and tell us why. Let us know you're okay so we can shout at you for stopping on the middle of the road. <laughs> yes, let us know you're okay and, and say sorry. Yes. Oh, I'm really pleased you're all right, right. Because when, when you've driven from Holland, you can do without somebody doing that. You can. You, you can, can indeed. But uh, anyway, apart from that, it was and the, and the rotten weather, it was uneventful. We got back about 7 o'clock, just before 7 actually, picked the dog up and mm. um, that was that was all right. And... Uh, I had a bit of a slow day yesterday because that was the first first day back in the world. And um, after PZ, you just kind of feel a bit other because it's mm. so intense in terms of 
the vibration is, I mean, the vibration is on the one hand incredible and wonderful, but on the other hand, you know, I am fish food whenever I'm outside of uh, the little house that we, we're in or, at, you know, or not backstage or on stage, you're very on, you know, and I, I get mobbed. And it's nice, but it's intense. And, you you know, it's, it, after a while, it's sort of... I don't know what the word for it is. It's not tiring as such. It's just draining. And I don't even know what it drains. It drains something that um, you kind of feel that something has been drained, but you can't quite put your finger on what it is it's a kind of neurosis starts to come over you because you know you're being stared at you know your every move is being monitored um you know not in a creepy way in a, in a really loving way but nonetheless it sort of drains something from you just being in inverted commas on all the time um so that's a bit strange and then there's an element of relief as well at, at having got through all the music and got it right and you know one damn nearly got it right or got it as right as a human being is likely to um and we really got it right i mean the, the, i don't think the band was ever better I, I said that didn't i before we did it that we we'd never been better prepared and that really showed and what i'd never really taken into account before was what a difference, I mean, like, I guess it's obvious, really, but I'd never really thought about it, but the difference uh, that being relaxed makes is colossal. Um, everything, you do everything better if you're relaxed than you do if you're tense. And I know I'm stating the bleeding obvious, but because we were all relaxed, because we felt we, we, we were on top of everything, I think the band was relaxed, so the band played better. I was relaxed, so I sang better. And everything was just, you know, spiralled up into a kind of cohesive... It, it had got a lot of class. And, of course, Jens married it to a phenomenal light show and uh, Simon Ward's imagery on the... the the video screen was was fabulous, and we had a we had a monstrous video screen behind us, and so visually it was pretty stunning, musically it was stunning, and so um, I think we've all come away from it, you know, really chuffed with it. It wasn't perfect, but it it wasn't far off. The feedback. Um, has been incredible. The bits I've read has it. Well, I haven't yeah. really. I've, I don't. Mm. I don't go digging around on social media for for comments, you know, because as I've said before, if 10,000 people say it's incredible and, and one criticises it, <laughs> that's the one I'll carry <laughs> for the rest of the month. Um, so I don't bother. It's a, it's not a win-win, that. It's a lose-lose. Um if, if, you know, if 500 people say it's great, I know it was great. I was there myself. So it's terrific that they've noticed. And if, if one person says it wasn't, I'll just be incandescent with indignation and rage 
So what's the point? Mm. Well, all I can say from an outside looking in, there was there was a ridiculous amount of positivity and a ridiculous amount of love flowing around. Yeah, um, I've I've never know. felt a crowd like the the vibration in the crowd on Saturday night when we were when we were bashing through the new album was beyond stellar. It was it was there wasn't one person in the room who didn't have their hands up. I suspect there were very few people in the room who weren't singing. And there was probably, I don't know, ten people in the room who did who didn't know every lyric verbatim. So I could I could look out and just see a vibration that was you, you know, beyond reasonable for any band ever. Um, well, somebody wrote that. Somebody wrote that they'd seen the band many times and the band, you know, of, of often and always, well, not all, but always hit the mark. But uh, the crowd hit the mark as well, which was a little bit more unusual. They sure did. I mean, to say the crowd hit the mark is being a bit hard on the crowd because... I think you could do. They could have done a lot less than that and hit the mark. Yeah, but, but well, I was what, paraphrasing, so it's yeah, probably not what. what they did was, I mean, dreamlike. It was it was phenomenal? And somebody said to me after the Saturday show, you know, oh God, you certainly know how to work a crowd. And I said, well, I just walked on. That was it. <laughs> I've got legs. I don't. <laughs> it's very kind of you to say that, but <laughs> I'm terribly spoiled. On the subject, on the subject, because I don't know what night it was, but I'm guessing it might have been Saturday. We talked in 150 about your shopping trip to Bista. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, that item in question, was it a coat? The signature item. Yeah, that yeah. was the big bushy crow, crow, crow coat. Crow coat. Crow, I thought it was. Crow jacket. <laughs> yeah, that's there's a beautiful photo of you in that in front of the uh, in in front of the quartet. Mm. I've seen that myself, and Jens also sent sent one of me bending down with the um, you know the logo um, the the new album logo with the flat mm. you know the flower the multicolored flowers that inspired Linda to make the lobsters. Um, that's behind me, and I look. Like a turkey, it's behind me like <laughs> like a like a turkey's ass, and I'm leaning forward. Uh, I'll send it to you. It's hysterical. And yeah, Jens, I like that. Jens sent it to me. He went, "This is very special." <laughs> <laughs> I did wonder where you were going with that when no. you started with. I was I was I was bent over. <laughs> no, I'm bent over, and the, all of those. That that logo's behind me like a load of tail feathers, and I look for all the world like a turkey. So that was amusing. If ever a man deserved tail feathers, I think I think you're that man. <laughs> if ever a man deserved tail that's this week's. That's title. this week's episode title, isn't it? <laughs> if ever a man deserved tail feathers, darling. <laughs> that might but be Lynette, the, that might be the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me, Andrew. I think you need that on a t-shirt. But if if <laughs> Lynetta was so bang on about that coat, mm. the word See, she, she the so word, gets the, you. The, the word genius is being banned oh. uh, for you know Lynetta's a genius. Of, of more than one person has said that. Yeah, 
she so gets you and she so gets you on stage. <laughs> In fact, I felt like you were kind of showing Sam Smith the way. Yeah, well, I was I was trying to just just remind the world that uh, you know I was at it long before Harry Styles was. <laughs> I was being beaten up thirty years before he was being beaten up. Darling. That lad wouldn't have survived Doncaster, let me tell you. Well, Harry, I think he is yeah. from Donny, isn't he? Is he? I think he's from up there somewhere. Cause oh, one, I'm going to have to find out now. Excuse me while I type. Yeah, see if that's true or whether I've oh. made that up. But he is. I thought. I think One Direction was something to do with that part of the world. You know, I think they were assembled from various talent in Yorkshire. Holmes Chapel. Oh, well, where's that? I don't know. I was just about to. I was, <laughs> I, it's, it's our neck of the woods, though, isn't it? Oh no, maybe not. I'll no, he is. was. He was no. born in Redditch. Oh, he's Midlands. Yeah, but then he then he moved to Home, Holmes Chapel, which is in Cheshire. Oh, all right. Not Donny then. Oh, Not well, Donny then. He might have had a bit of trouble in Donny. Um. Well, if he's from Cheshire, quite possibly. But he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> he, he didn't start wearing the uh, outlandish, no. androgynous shit until he was pretty famous. I'd like to think I'd started long before <laughs> that. The only person who thought you were famous at that time, I imagine, was yourself. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I was always... When I was young, I was certain, you know, yeah. I was going to be a big star. Quite certain. Um, so there you are. I'm loving the fact you embraced fame far before anybody knew who you were. <laughs> I kind of had. I think, I think you do when you're young. I think it's that... Can, it's it's that certainty that gets you there or gets you somewhere or at least ensures that you have a crack at it um you need you need a, you need confidence more than you need talent really i think that's true i mean look at madonna mm. you need confidence that'll mm. take you a lot further than talent will but Sort of bring you back round. Mm. Just another shout out to Lynetta because the coat was is off the charts. <laughs> it's off the charts. She she is she yes. I wouldn't have bought that if she hadn't been with me. I no, she got that one so right. I wouldn't have pulled it off the rack and thought, oh, that's worth trying on. Um, mm. I wouldn't. I'd have probably come out with the. I don't think I'd have bought the trousers even because she she pointed out the. Furry coat and the leather biker trousers, which, which were both in the women's department at All Saints. Um, and uh, we had this uh, this Irish girl was uh, serving us, and uh, <laughs> she she was very positive about me trying all this stuff on. She didn't seem remotely, um, you know. Are you sure? She was much more like, oh yes, that's great. Ah, sure, that's great. I don't know if she had much of an accent, but I'm putting one on. It wouldn't be TCD if you didn't at least <laughs> ham up something have regional. A, have a stab. <laughs> You've got to have a stab, innit? You've got to have it, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If you can do um, it. So... I can't do the Brummy one, but I can 
I can sort of do the Irish one. What? How long have you got now, then? What, to live? Because obviously we're in weekend season now, aren't we? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're, it's stretching before us like a... Well, like a thrill, if I'm honest. Um, it's I like a roller coaster, isn't it? You, you, you've got all these downs. You've got all these humps coming. Yeah, are you, yeah. Are you, are you bottom of a hump at the moment? Well, I, I feel like I'm. No, I feel like I'm just over the, just over a, a peak, you know, and I'm just rolling down, um, and then I'll start trundling up again in about another ten days from now. But we we haven't got Harlem. Uh, I think there's four weeks between these two, the way right. it, the way it worked out, which means we'll have forgotten it all by then. <laughs> A, yeah. we, we'll have forgotten it all, and but B, we can't really rehearse, um, as Mark pointed out. I think it's very important that we rehearse between Port Zealand and Harlem. He said. And we and I, I felt my heart sink. Oh God, do we have to? Uh, oh yes, I think we should. Oh, hang on a minute, I'm on holiday. So, uh, having said it was very important, he then noticed that he, <laughs> he was on holiday it. and he couldn't do it. So then we all went. There we go. Then we won't. So it's an uh, interesting point though because there's there's thick end of a month, so it is four weeks, pretty mm. much. Yeah, well, it's four weeks, obviously, because it's. Uh, you know, weekends, isn't it? So it's four weeks, whereas after that, it's only a fortnight yeah. to Italy. Yeah, I think oh. we we try, we, we normally try to have two weeks in between them because that's yeah. the sort of sweet spot. It gives you time to recover, but it doesn't give you time to forget it all. Forget anything. But we couldn't get, I don't think Lucy could find anything. You, you know, you're always... Um, strapped between the the venue availabilities and what's practical and i think harlem went in because we'd got an even more vast space between ports right. and italy so harlem went in so that we wouldn't have to rehearse so that we could do a show instead um and we were hoping to find something in in france you know and, and there was nothing available so in, in the end we found we found this um venue in Harlem um, but it is a long time and it will be quite interesting I dare say the sound checks will go on for about a year in Harlem because we'll, they'll basically be rehearsals again um, but they're only two-nighters from apart from Montreal they're all two-nighters now so it won't be so much to remember um, and some of it it doesn't require a lot of rehearsing and, and, you know, some of it does. And having played them all, it'll be easier because, as, again, as I've said before, there's something that happens when you play live. Um, it's like all that information is moved from one box in your brain to another box, a more certain one. And no amount of rehearsing will put it in that box. It it that it goes in the rehearsed box until you've done a show, and then it, it all it all moves down a pipeline into the I have done it live recently box, and that 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 is then much more fixed in your muscle memory. 
don't know what that, why that is. I don't know if it's adrenaline or fear or what it is, but it does glue everything in doing a show. I'm not going to ask the obvious um, question in terms of the exact sort of songs, mm. but I'm assuming I'm well. My assumption is that the middle night will will remain kind of untouched. Saturday night from PZ will remain kind of untouched. And then you'll somehow take the other two nights and turn them into something? Or are you going to just pick two out of the three? No, I think we're going to pick two out of the three. Right, Okay. I'd be surprised if we don't play the whole of the new album. Yeah, because that's what I assumed it is the new album. And um, first of all, and second of all, it sounds great live. Yeah. but the encores that we played Saturday at Portsland were chosen specifically for the the beautiful string arrangements, string intro, you know, and, and Estonia and the space, um, which are wonderful moments. So we won't have the strings now. So maybe those songs will probably be candidates to be first into the bin um maybe not you know we'll have a look but i'd personally quite like to keep most if not all of the rarities because i really enjoyed them um so we'll, we'll try and walk a line between playing the songs that went down best um and the songs we felt we we nailed and you know looked after themselves and sounded great, while still making the set lists special by including the things we rarely play. So that's the line we're going to have to walk with it. Mm. Well, we'll leave we'll leave that. I'm sure we'll come back to that at some other point in yeah, time. I don't see um, that it'll be difficult. It's yeah. not the kind of thing we'll, we need to have heated debates about. I, I think it'll probably choose itself. Um, I've got a few questions about the diary from this week, and I have one more thing I want to talk about uh, that's pertinent to the last couple of days. So should we disappear off to Montreal um, for the first part of 2011? Yes. Yes, let's do that. Um, yeah, I, I, I was reading this this morning. So uh, <coughs> there's a little bit of domestic bliss, isn't there, at the front? Oh, I've got questions about domestic bliss. <laughs> Haven't we all? Mm. <laughs> it's a big question mark over domestic bliss. <laughs> yes. Off we go. Friday, 4th of March, Montreal. Got up at 8. I'd been awake on and off since 6.20 and it was time to give up trying to lie in for the sake of it. Little Vibes was still sleeping. He's been sleeping past 8 all week, so I wasn't surprised, although I know he probably wouldn't be long. Elle smiled and kissed me as I left the room. I count my stars that I found her. She really was sent to me by the kindest of fates. By the time I'd gone downstairs and boiled the kettle, 
I could hear the patter of impatient and hyperactive little feet, so I made my way upstairs to find him standing at the top looking down. Daddy! he exclaimed as he saw me. I'll help you make a coffee? I carried him down the stairs and sat him on the kitchen worktop so that he could help. Coffee ended up all over the place and much mopping up had to happen. By the time we'd made coffee and I'd put CBBs on the TV for him, Elle appeared smiling serenely and sleepily. As the weeks pass, I love her more and more. I've come to adore her. I won't go on. We drank coffee and watched TV with little M while he had a yoghurt. He's pretty good now at handling a spoon and makes almost no mess. He does, however, wipe his mouth and hands with the soft furnishings, so we're glad we didn't go for white upholstery. I spent the first part of the morning playing with him back upstairs in our bed, playing hide-and-seek and trying to be vigilant each time he lunged in the direction of my genitals. If it's not a knee or foot in the balls, it's the spirited headbutt in the face. Ella's had a couple of fat blue lips in the past. I have often had the eye-watering kick in the groin, but nothing too debilitating so far. Mid-morning I decided to try and put the doorbell up in the kitchen. This is a traditional mechanical bell on a spring, which is operated by a cord which runs around a set of pulleys through a hole in the front wall of the house. Fabulously low-tech and irresistible. I spent an hour or so drilling holes and screwing screws. It's amazing how warm the top few inches of a room becomes, and whenever you're up there doing a bit of work, it's not long before you're a bit hot and bothered. I decided against screwing the exterior part of the bell-ringing apparatus on, as I thought I'd return to this at a second visit when I'm back from Montreal. I had yet to pack, and Sophie was coming over around noon with new boyfriend, Dan, so I didn't want to stress everyone out, including myself, unnecessarily. Vacuumed up the mess and cleared up before going and finding the cases so I could begin to gather my things together for the week in Montreal. Elle laid out some cold food for lunch, and we were eating when Sophie arrived. Around about this time, a man came knocking to deliver the terracotta wine-racking cells that I had ordered. We already have an impressive display of plonk in the kitchen fireplace, but a bit more storage has become necessary, especially since the last convention weekend. People keep giving me bottles of wine. It's a curse. Niall arrived too, so I was able to spend the morning with all three of my children, as well as my wonderful other half. I had time to reflect on what a lucky and blessed chap I am, and, as I write this diary somewhere over the Atlantic Ocean at 30,000 feet, I'm still reflecting upon it. At three, I bundled my cases into the car and said my goodbyes. Niall was still with us, although Sophie and Dan had departed. Little Vibes had successfully hustled Niall into allowing him to play in his car, and they were on their way across the green to it as I left for Heathrow. It was an uneventful journey, good, down the M40 and round the M25 to Terminal 5. I parked the car and made my way into the terminal to find Frenchie waiting for me and looking quite dreadful. He says he feels not too good and has been pretty exhausted since the gigs in Holland last week. I can concur. I checked the bags in and we made our way through security without too much trouble. 
took the shuttle train to gate B43 and sat at a bar for a while having a beer and talking to a man called Paul who worked for Motorola and was on his way to Beijing. He says it's a great place and the people are really friendly and helpful. I would like to go. After a while, Franchi reappeared, looking much brighter, and then Ian and Lucy came, shortly followed by Mark. All seemed in good spirits. Someone said that Steve R was already on the plane. Pete is already in Canada, having flown over a few days ahead of us to do a bit of writing somewhere in America with Eric Blackwood. So, here I am in the air, bound for Montreal. I've just watched the King's speech in the back of the seat in front of me, and now I'm about to put the laptop away and perhaps have a little snooze before we land in a couple of hours. All in all, the seven-hour flight passed quite quickly. We arrived in a cold, damp Montreal about an hour late due to 170-mile-an-hour headwinds. Now that would blow the lid off your dustbin. We were met in arrivals by Lucy's friend, Anique, and two guys, Andy and Richard, who had procured people carriers, and we quickly made the journey into town. The journey from the airport wasn't pretty. Outside, the view was bleak, a bit run down, and lots of black concrete road systems everywhere. We were downtown before the surroundings became prettier. I guess this time of year isn't doing the Vista any favours. Once again we checked into the Embassy Suites Hotel where the receptionist seemed well prepared for our arrival, handing us envelopes containing our room keys and welcome packs. They look after us here. I arrived in room 607 to discover that it was identical to the one I was in two years ago. A kitchen, lounge with TV, sofa and desk, a large and very comfortable bed and a bathroom with shower and jacuzzi bath. More of an apartment than a hotel. I tried and failed to get the internet working before conking out and going to bed. Didn't call home. It's 4am. Tuesday, 8th of March. Woke a few times, but not for long, and woke up properly to see the light coming through the crack in the curtains. This is a very good sign. It was 6.30, so not much later than I normally get up. Texted Elle to say I was up and about, and she called me to say hello. All's well in England, but, like here, grey and rainy. Looking out into Montreal today, you wouldn't have felt much like going out. I went down to breakfast, and the omelette man made me an omelette. Franchi joined me for a while before sliding off, he's something of a slider, back to his room. Lucy appeared a couple of times to pick up breakfast and coffee for Ian, who was, quote, grumpy upstairs, unquote. I returned to my room and looked up the luggage repair shop. I'm trying to get a dodgy wheel fixed on my Samsonite carry-on bag. All turned into a wild goose chase. The man said he'd have to see it to know if he could fix it, so I got dressed and took a cab to a place on the other side of town. It was a shop full of bags with a counter at the back where people stood waiting for luggage. There was a large cage containing a loud African grey parrot, which the man occasionally sprayed with a water spray bottle to calm it down. He looked at the bag and said he could get it fixed in ten days. Not much use then. I returned in the same cab which was driven by an Algerian man called Cream, who was very nice. 
He'd switched off the meter while he had waited for me, but even so, I was looking at a $40 round trip. I thought I might as well make use of the outing, so I asked him to stop at a supermarket, where I bought toothpaste, hair dye, Beck's beer and a bottle of Chilean Red. Back at the hotel, I spent the rest of the day just relaxing and messing around with another one of Richard Barbieri's ideas. I'm really enjoying working on his ideas, although I don't know what the world will make of it all. In the evening, I ordered a bit of salmon on room service. Still damp and cold outside, so I didn't fancy a trip out. Tried to watch TV, but I find all these TV channels hard to cope with. Half of them are in French, and the English ones are just awful American stuff, 80% of which seems to be adverts. CNN was one of the few channels I could understand, but even then, the earnest delivery of the newsreaders gets on my nerves. It's like they want you to believe that they just personally flew directly from some war or other and dropped from a helicopter through the roof of the studio to bring you the news. The truth, that they are actually people who look good and can read from an autocue, is obviously something far from their self-image. I won't go on. Managed to stay up till 10pm. Wednesday, 9th of March. A triumph. Slept till almost 8 o'clock. A brighter light through the curtain crack today. Edged it open to see wide open blue sky. That's more like it. The people on the street were wearing heavy coats, so I guessed it must still be colder than it appears out there through my 17 layers of glass. Went down to breakfast to be greeted by the friendly staff of the Embassy Suites once again. Cornflakes today, and although the coffee's from an urn in the corner, it's not at all bad. Returned to my room and spent the rest of the morning and much of the afternoon with the headphones on in Barbieri land. It's getting more and more peculiar as I load it with vocal textures and muttering and whispering. Lord knows what he'll make of it. Went out around four for a walk in the general direction of the old town. Walked through the heated arcade round the corner behind the Intercontinental Hotel and saw a black jumper in a shop window, which I quite fancied. Went inside to find the shop was run by two old-time tailors. I'm guessing here, possibly Jewish, Quite possibly brothers. The one who served me seemed a little camp, so possibly gay too. He reminded me slightly of an old English actor whose name I forget. I asked him about the garment, and with a heavy French accent he said, It is the last one. Very beautiful. In your size. I will get it out of the window. He did so. It was very nicely made. Black ribbed knotted cotton with large black buttons. Italian, and looked it too. Do you know the actor, Georges Clooney? Yes, but not personally, I said. He has one of these. Very nice. I'm not sure this had the desired effect. Uh, how much is it? I inquired. I give you 50%, he said, as he lifted the neckline of the garment to examine the price. $595. Hmm, at half price, that's at least 200 quid. It was a very nice jumper, but I resisted the temptation to try it on in case it fitted perfectly, and I didn't want the old boy getting all worked up in case I bought it out of sympathy. I have history. 
so I politely said it was more than I could afford and left the shop. Shame. And we're back. Mmm. Mmm. Hang on, I was mid midway down. Oh well, well let's do it. Let's do it again. No, let's I do it again. Enjoyed, no, it made a nice change from the ray, didn't it? Yeah. The kind of well, a little bit of kind of yeah. <laughs> the cappuccino edit. Mmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Jeff Lynch, the Jeff Lynch. <laughs> You talked. You talked a bit about domestic bliss, um, but here's the thing. Here's where it ties into TCD so beautifully, because you're actually, you're actually putting up that doorbell. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, I, I was having a rare moment of wisdom as well, not not trying to finish it because ninety nine times out of a hundred. I would have convinced myself I could do it before I had to leave. And uh, I think sense prevailed. The thickness of the stone walls and the uh, and the oak lintel that was in the way probably, you know, gave me a hint that this 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 wasn't going to take another 10 minutes. This may take weeks. So uh, I I screwed the I screwed the bits on the inside on and then uh, I went outside and had a look where the where the pull should be and thought, oof, bugger that. And then, you know, contemplated drilling a hole through a, a two-foot-thick stone wall. Oh, hang on a bit. I've come off now. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Oh, now. Oh, there. <laughs> yeah, I've done that for a while. I forget to do that every week, don't I, more or less? <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, so um, as as I've said before as well, you know, as it turned out, um, completing that job involved bringing a builder in with a with a very very serious fuck off drill, and uh, and removing all the plaster from the inside, replastering the kitchen. Um, but it was worth it. Well, it's worth it because it's it's a sound that is now familiar to many thousands. It is, yes. It's 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 a famous. It's an icon. So it's it an icon. It's not just a doorbell. No. And on the subject of that, I thought it was really interesting. Three things happened on the same day. Doorbell got spoken about first time. <laughs> that terracotta wine rack that's in your fireplace. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> More of that came, which is the first thing that struck me when I ever came to your house was that wine rack. <laughs> It's astonishing that wine, right? <laughs> and that deserves an Instagram post at some point. <laughs> and then, of course, you met your future son-in-law. I did, yes, yes. Sophie was coming round with Dan. Um, I don't remember the first time I met him, if I'm honest. Um, well, I don't remember the last time I met him. Now, he is the loveliest bloke, and I'm so blessed because, um, you know, Lewis had a load of daughters, and he, you know, he's often sat on the bus with me and said, Oh, it's terrible to have daughters. He said, They always bring these terrible assholes home. And uh, <laughs> he said, I have, to, I have to smile and be nice. 
even though I know I hate them. Um, <laughs> which made me laugh, but also made me realise how incredibly lucky I've been um, and how, how incredibly lucky I am not to have to worry about my daughter's husband or partner or, or, or whatever, you know, um, and, and whether or not he might be making her miserable because th that couldn't be further from the truth. Dan, Dan's an incredible bloke. And uh, if I was a girl, I'd have married him, mm. you know, if I'd managed to find him. But um, that, that just goes to show what a together soul Sophie is for managing to find him and nail him. Mm. <laughs> He's fantastic and uh, I love him. Slightly unfortunate turn of phrase, but I know exactly where you're going with that. <laughs> <laughs> so back on to diary then. Yes. And these are the kind of questions that only I, I think I, because I get concerned about these things. <laughs> Having read the diary today, I got concerned. Yeah. Did you actually ever get the wheel fixed on your suitcase? Oh, that took ages. Um, yes, I ordered one online. I managed to order one online. And uh, it came in the post and I screwed it on myself in the end. But, uh, no, not in Montreal. I never managed to get it fixed. I went on that wild goose chase. It cost a small fortune in taxi fares. Um, but one wheel had come off, so it was sort of... Dre what was it doing? Oh, it, was it, a two it must have been a four-wheeler then. can't have been a two-wheeler. No, one it, was, gone, no it is a two-wheeler. How did you manage that? You must have been going round in circles. <laughs> it was. It was. It was a bit of a negotiation every time I tried to move it. You know. Now we're going this way. <laughs> oh no, we're not. No, we are. No, we're not. Oh please, please. <laughs> hang on. I'll, oh, hang on. I'll kick you a bit. That <laughs> now has that persuaded you? That kind of thing <laughs> used to happen. Oh, you talking to your suitcase in air, <laughs> airport lounges. I'll tell you what I noticed, and I don't know if I've said this before, but when you're in an airport with a bag that's got two wheels on it, maybe even four wheels, and you and you walk along those travelators, am I alone in 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 trying to recreate the flight of the bumblebee with the uh, wheels? Because I find if you're careful, you can get the... Have I mentioned that before? No, you haven't. Have <laughs> no, you haven't. It's worth a try, people. Right. I think it's on the potentially gets you sectioned list, but I'm not quite I'm not quite hundred percent sure. It's always struck me. I've mentioned it to the band on several occasions and They've reacted in that usual dead-eyed, silent <laughs> way. <laughs> they do to a lot of my expressions. <laughs> next, time, <laughs> next time I go through an airport, that is my, yeah. On the travelator with your wheels, flight of the bumblebee. See if you can I'll report it. back. Okay. Um, you were doing a lot of stuff on um, the, the things that Richard... Beard sent you. I'm assuming that is what then became not the weapon. I think so. Looking I, at the I timing, I was trying to remember uh, which particular tracks I must have been referring to. 
And I think, I think I might have been faffing with lifting the lid at that point. Um, it was always great fun doing this stuff with Richard because it's not so much songwriting as painting, you know, atmos mm. atmosphere painting. And it gives me the opportunity to to layer voices up into sort of walls of atmospheres and to to use pitch changing and distortion and you know amp simulation to create strange noises with my voice instead of just singing per se um and that's a lot of fun i've just been doing it again recently because we had three songs outstanding that um we'd never finished that he he's got back into and was decided decided he was digging so he said i'm i'm digging these we should put these out so, so i said well well let me have another listen and see if i can add a few things to them before we do that before you mix it so i've been having having fun with the pitch changes and the the amp simulators and the the big strange reverbs um and uh, and they're cool. They're all totally different. There's a song called um, <laughs> "Waiting to Be Born." Uh, there's one called "Siberia," and there's one called Ooh, "Alibis." Yeah, and they're all very different to each other, but they're all really unsurprisingly they're pretty spooky and they're pretty radical and that was a lot of fun so look out for them we'll 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 try and get those released soon mm. as um and lastly and nothing to do with diary but this is the the bit of week's news um the season's end reissues broken cover hasn't it yes as that is that released now yeah right. the well the pretty it's there as pre-order now right yeah, well, it sounds great. Um, Mike's remixed it. He's, he's mixed it entirely in the spirit of the original mix. So it's not like it's changed monstrously. It's just sort of deeper, wider, richer, sonically. Uh, I've A-B'd them and the, it's noticeably just noticeably more 3d even you know even as a stereo mix it's it, it's deeper um it's deeper and wider and richer and generally posher um so i think that's going to be on its own that's going to be worth having but then of course there's the there's the live there's a live concert of us playing season's end uh, much more recently um, and various other odds and sods, interview footage and recollections, and I think we all we all went back to, we all went back to um, the Crooked Billet in uh, Stoke Row, and did the interviews there. And Tim, inter which was of course was round the corner from Hookend Manor, and was the the scene of my first first ever show with Marillion. Uh, which was a, a bizarre evening and fairly terrifying, as I recall, but went all right in the end. Um, 
So we went back there to do the interview. So, you know, each of us trying to recall what it all felt like. It all felt pretty good to me. Mm. It's a special album, really special album. Well, it was a lovely journey making that and, you know, writing and recording that record was such a lot of such a pleasant experience. I was going to say a lot of fun, but that that makes it sound a little bit um, flippant. It was just a really lovely experience. All of it, it was heavenly. Mm. And the the thing he shows on there as well, isn't it? Because he did the the full show. Was it Rock Steady? The program was called. Oh God, is that on there? From yeah. uh, that, was that a Chippenham? Was, was Leicester, wasn't it? De Montfort, wasn't it? Oh, God, that one. Yes, Leicester de Montfort. Oh, that was the first time I ever went there. Um, that all went by in a bit of a blur at the time, to be honest. I don't know what I was on. I was either on something or uh, I was, you know, I'd just been hauled in from Iceland or <laughs> Timbuktu. <laughs> Didn't really quite know where I was. <laughs> I remember it all just going by in a bit of a holy shit, now what? <laughs> oh, you know, live TV, blimey. It was all a bit like that. Yeah. Oh, it's it, the package looks great. Looks absolutely great. I'm really looking forward to uh I'm really looking forward to hearing it. Um I mean that's that remains my routine. I mean that that remains my that was my first Marillion album that I waited to be released, if that made sense. Right, because at the point I got involved, everything everything prior to that had already happened. Oh well, don't pre-order it. I'll get you. A, I'll get you a uh, special. Oh, you, what not? You're very kind. You're yeah. very kind. But no, that was so. It's a special album for me because it was the first Marilly album I, I, you know. Have you have you got the now before it's dark? Did I ever get you a special tiddly do of that? Oh, I've got one of them as well. You've got one. There's one. one. Oh, I, well, I ordered it. I like everybody else. I I wanted my name in the cover. Uh, I mean, well, apart from uh, the fact that my name's in the cover, I wanted my name in the cover with everybody else. Yes. Well, fair enough. That's what you do. Yeah. No. That's what we all do. Just if you hadn't, I, I could. I've probably got one in a box somewhere. Oh, don't say that. We'll be having to do a raffle and everything. <laughs> a raffle. Have to open another purple <laughs> raffle. I've still got those raffle tickets from when we first did that. <laughs> Bugger that! I want an auction. We ought to have an auction. No, that's too money grabbing. It's too well, no, el- what... elitist and money grabbing, isn't it? No, but not if we say did it with you paying jelly babies or licorice all sorts. <laughs> Think how many licorice all sorts we'd get. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we should, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Paying bottle, we... bottles of gin. How many oh, bottles well, well, of gin do you, do you, do you, are you going to provide? Right, okay. Should we call it a day? Uh, well, we better add if we're getting into all of this desperate, desperate mercenary uh, cap- capitalising. Yes, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you can say that we're desperate and mercenary. Not yet. There's still uh, time, Ant. But but we're working on it. <laughs> Let's put a meeting in. There's still time. <laughs> Who do we need to talk to? Well, my building society's just written to me, so. Uh... I'm more desperate since I got that letter than I was before I had it. I know. Oh, well, forget, forget you got it then. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, I'm turning into a paper aeroplane and throw it out this bloody window. That's probably yeah. the best use of it. See if you can get somebody from Mossad in the eye with it. Mm. <laughs> There's nobody out there today in the trees. Not that I can see right. anyway. Right. They're probably monitoring me from a drone or something. Or one of those things that they put in your blood when you have a, you know, when you have the vaccine. I'm probably being monitored internally, if you pardon the expression. They've probably taken one look at that photo of you bending forward with the <laughs> album design behind it and decided not to bother. I'm going to send you it. It's hysterical. <laughs> right. I'll see you next time. <laughs> All right. Cheers, Ed. <laughs> Did any of that make any sense? Oh, who knows? And if it had, would that be good or bad? There's no way of knowing. Jury's out on that. All righty. Well, shall I press? Shall, oh, you're, he's, hitting, he's hitting the stop. He always says this at the end, but normally we, we edit it off. But, uh, okay, I'm not going to say I'm hitting... Bye-bye, <laughs> everybody. Thank you for listening. I've had a few newbies this... Um, in the last two weeks as well, I'm, pr I'm proud and happy to report. Anyway, Anthony's gone. But um, being as I'm on my own, I'd just like to say thanks, and I will mention you in person um, very soon. Lots of love. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production. <laughs>